0: Hello, and welcome to Nomad Neek's Lifestyle Podcast. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast and hear what I have to say. So, I recently had quite an interesting journey to get back to the country where I had previously lived in for about two and a half years prior to coronavirus and i thought in the nature of this podcast and talking about living and working abroad and traveling that it would be an interesting experience to share with you i actually wrote a blog article about this as well and did a short youtube video about my journey Um, however i wanted to do a podcast just because i know at least for me personally it's a lot easier for me to just listen to something and get all of the information, whereas my blog post may not have all of the information about the journey in it and the YouTube video. I mean, if I didn't video it, then it won't be there. So I feel like this is a little bit more comprehensive and it won't be too long, but I do think it was an interesting journey. So let me just dive right into episode one. So prior to coronavirus hitting in the beginning of 2020, I had been living in Shenzhen, China, which is in the south of China, for about two and a half years. I moved there in August of 2017 and really loved it there, so I ended up staying a bit longer actually than I expected which was totally okay. I was there teaching and had met some amazing friends from really all over the world. Um, And I was just really enjoying it there. So I decided to stay. And then if you have lived in Asia or China before, you definitely know about Chinese New Year and how big of an event that is. So of course for Chinese New Year... I had chosen to travel around Asia, didn't stray too far from China. Um, I was in Thailand with plans to go to the Philippines. That never happened because of COVID. Um, So COVID really started to get pretty bad, obviously initially in Asia before it hit the rest of the world. But it was... Kind of end of January when I was in Thailand, in Chiang Mai, and Bangkok, and I really noticed that in Asia specifically, it was getting pretty bad. My next destination was supposed to be the Philippines um, to check out the beautiful islands, which of course I would still love to do at some point in the future. But it really started getting bad in the Philippines, and I was just kind of worried about being on a pretty remote island. We were going to Palawan, um, so decided to forfeit that trip and head on back to Canada, where I'm originally from, in Ontario, and I figured I would, you know, ride out the storm there for a few weeks, maybe a month, and it would be all good, and I'd be able to go back to China, in you know, like max a month or two, and looking back on it now, it's definitely a little bit of naive thinking. Um, but I mean, who would have known that that COVID would have gotten this bad for this long all over the world? So, headed back to Canada, I got there end of January 2020 and wasn't expecting to be there for too long. Kind of friends who are in China had been telling me, you know, maybe book it back to China sometime soon because the situation was really getting control, under control in China and it was really not getting under control in most of the rest of the world. Um especially Canada was kind of when it started to get bad in Canada. So I just kept thinking, you know, China isn't going to close their borders even though a couple other countries were beginning to and I just kind of figured, you know, I'd waltz into China whenever I wanted, whenever it felt safe, but my real hesitation was not wanting to do a plane ride during that time. So that was kind of my big reason that I didn't want to go back to China. I had actually booked a ticket to Hong Kong, which is super close to Shenzhen, right across the border. Um, But then Hong Kong, a few days later, after I booked the ticket, implemented the policy that you had to do a 14-day quarantine. So I'm actually pretty happy that I did not do that because not too long after then China closed the border with Hong Kong. So I would have been stuck in Hong Kong for, you know, eight months or more had I taken that flight. So um, by a stroke of luck, I canceled that flight and I was just kind of like, okay, I guess I'll stay in Canada and just go back to China whenever I feel comfortable to fly. But then... Every foreigner in China knows the date. Every foreigner who was locked out on March 28th, China closed their borders to anyone not holding a Chinese passport. So that included me. And I really, my whole world was just turned upside down. I thankfully was still getting paid from my teaching job in China. However, I wasn't actually teaching online, and they were telling us not to go back to China. Um, to just kind of wait it out. I don't think they expected this situation to take as long as it would to get back to China. So my first couple of months, you know, I think it was probably February, March, April, May in Canada. <clears throat> I pretty much just sat around, to be honest, at home and was waiting for China. China's borders to open and then eventually at one point I was just kind of like why am I waiting for China you know it could take months potentially years for their borders to open so I kind of started doing my own thing and started a business in Canada and actually had no plans on returning to China At this point, this is probably, you know, June or July, I got everything that I owned in China shipped back. I had a cat in China, um, and I found a home elsewhere for him in China, so I really missed him, but I was kind of like, okay, this China chapter of my life is over. And lo and behold, when you make a decision, of course, the opposite always happens, um, So China very gradually was opening their borders um, first to different professionals, but not teachers. And then eventually, probably around August of 2020, they started to open their borders more so to teachers at international schools first. And then kind of that followed suit down the line. So my school in China had said, if you would like, you're welcome to come back. And it was something that I wasn't planning on doing. I was not planning on going back. My entire life was now in Canada. Keep in mind, my entire life is like about two big suitcases. So it wasn't a whole lot, but um, everything was back in Canada. However, I know that China is where my life was and where my job was so after some debating I decided let's head back to China so this is where the journey really begins of my trip back to China now for me it was definitely a lot easier than if I was going to China for the first time to work I've heard from multiple people that it's taken months and months for them to get the visa um, because they have not been in China before. How it works is you need a visa to enter China, and then that's good for 30 days starting from when you first enter the country, and then your job will give you a work permit and a resident permit. So I had already had the um, work permit through my school, and it was still valid, thankfully. So that made it a lot, lot easier for me to get back to China. So it was only my residence permit and my passport that had expired. Um, So, I mean, the policies are still constantly changing. This is end of October, still constantly changing in China for what documents you need in order to get back. But at the time, it was a PU letter was what we needed to get back so having got that from my school and collecting various other documents I headed about two hours to Toronto to the visa application center and that was actually a really speedy process that was about four days and then they mailed it back to me And had it not been for the rule implemented in September that you need to get a COVID test to board the flight to China, I would have easily been able to hop on a flight, you know, the day after I got my visa and head to China and that would have been easy. However, and I mean, it's a great safety precaution, but you needed a starting from September 9th, I believe it was, you need a covid test to board the flight to china and it needs to be valid within 72 hours of your boarding time, your boarding flight time. So this is definitely what took the most time for me and was the most frustrating. I there really aren't from what I found in my research any private testing clinics in Ontario. So I had to do, and it's great, they were all public testing, but it was difficult because I didn't know what the timeframe was to get my results back. So that definitely gave me a lot of nerves. I didn't know when they would be coming back. And so I booked a flight, hoping that the results, I booked about five different tests. I ended up having seven tests in a row um, every single day for a week. Um, and so I ended up booking those and I had my flight booked, hoping that one of those tests would come back and work with my flight. Uh, at the time testing in Ontario was super, actually all of Canada was super backed up. So, you know, my flight was booked for Wednesday and I booked my first test for the following Monday. So about nine days prior to my flight, thinking that that would be okay. I had heard there was a seven day backlog, um, and then I kind of had that whole week before the flight booked up with COVID tests. Turns out the testing results were actually only taking about three days. So my initial first few tests were completely invalid for the flight that I had booked. And what I, the conclusion that I came to was that I would probably just have to book another flight that would be sooner. So I ended up booking another flight um, to thankfully a smaller city, which I'll touch on later on, but ended up being something that really worked out in my favor that I flew into a smaller city than I was initially planning to. Um, but the COVID testing was definitely stressful. I would recommend if you're kind of going through that, don't book a flight, wait till you get the test and the results. And, um, I would say you have a pretty good chance of still being able to get on that flight. I booked my flight Um, about 24 hours before I flew so um, I would say that's probably your best bet unless you want to have a bunch of flights booked and then end up you know refunding them which is never fun so my trip back to China (laughs) okay so I have COVID test in hand the lab report I'm good to go I have my flight all right So I head to the Toronto airport. Check-in was super fast. There was not many people there Um, getting past security. It all was a breeze, honestly. And I was there probably about 1 or 2 p.m. So it was pretty peak time for flights. And it was pretty quiet at the airport. Um, The flight itself was pretty packed. I had a layover in Vancouver. So I was in Vancouver for about six hours. And then it was my 12 and a half hour flight to China. So there was a huge difference between my flights, my Canadian flight to Vancouver and my Chinese flight to China. Um, Definitely the Chinese flight. I mean, I'm sure you would know if you've Lived in China before, like everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people were in masks and face shields. Some were in the full bodysuit, PPE, which was great. I felt super safe on the flight. Um, now, what really made me the most nervous was I had heard from pretty much everyone who flew into China, um, from different WeChat groups and stuff, that the airport process from when you got off the plane to getting to your quarantine hotel, that airport process took, I would say, about five to seven hours from what I had been hearing from people. And so this was the part I was really just most nervous about, waiting around um, with a bunch of people around you. So we landed in Xiamen in the south of China. It's a province over from Shenzhen, where I live. Um, Definitely a smaller city, not one of the Um, I don't think it's a tier one city. Maybe it's a tier two city. So much smaller city ended up being really to my advantage. And we got off the plane, ended up having to wait for maybe 20, 20 minutes. Um, I had heard of people waiting, just sitting on the plane for up to an hour. We did land at five in the morning, China time. So maybe that helped. But we got off the plane pretty quickly, got right into the airport. And the first thing you see are, of course, temperature checks. And then even before you get to immigration, you see, um, it's hard to explain, but it was like four, um, fully enclosed booths and in them were the COVID tests. So they do nasal and throat swab. And it was actually pretty easy. It wasn't, it wasn't even as painful as some of the tests that I had had in Canada. So I was pretty grateful for that. Um, And then immigration was a breeze and getting your bags. And then you have to fill out some information and get a QR code to hop on the bus. I was thinking the bus would take us to a quarantine hotel. So that whole airport process probably took me about 45 minutes, maybe an hour it was super fast, and I am so grateful that I was not waiting the five to seven hours that I had heard of most people waiting in the airport. So we hop onto the bus, and I'm thinking that it's going to take me to a quarantine hotel. I know that I have to do a 14-day quarantine paid for by myself. I'm fully aware of that coming into China. It's just kind of part of the deal now. Um, so we hop on the bus and it takes us to kind of like a a next center between the airport and the quarantine hotel. so I eventually figured out that because everyone, of course is speaking Chinese there's not really too much English um I can understand you know a- enough to kind of get by, but uh i don 't know all the medical terminology and stuff in chinese so they ended up, what the building, the kind of in-between building was, was that they separate you depending on where your final destination is. So I guess you go to a different quarantine hotel depending on where you're going to be going after the quarantine in China. So there wasn't too many people who were going to Guangdong province. So our bus was pretty empty, which was quite nice. There was probably about six groups of people, maybe, you know, 10 or 12 people in total on the bus, And of course, the instructions about just the hotel and how the quarantine setup works were all in Chinese. So then he explained the English to me afterwards, which put me at the end of the line. So when I get to kind of reception, I have two choices left of which room I want to choose from. And of course, they are the most, the two most expensive rooms. So the first one, I think was about 850 quai. Which, in Canadian dollars, is maybe just under two hundred, maybe like one hundred and seventy. Um, and then the other one was about five fifty, so that's about one hundred and fifteen. Um, so it wasn't so bad. So of course I chose that one. Didn't really care what the room would be, to be honest. I knew. We were at the courtyard marriott so i knew it was going to be a nice enough room um right on the bay we were on an island in xiamen so i knew it was going to be you know a pretty nice room definitely 550 for a quarantine hotel is the most expensive that i've heard um what i've heard from pretty much everyone else in terms of pricing is about three to four hundred i would say per person per room so definitely mine was the most expensive I had heard, but it's beautiful. So I cannot complain. And very unfortunately for me, the one thing I was really looking forward to coming back to China was for Meituan. And if you don't know Meituan, if you're not um, from China or if you haven't lived in China before, it it's means essentially just takeout. But I had been missing the Chinese food. Not Chinese food that you would ever see in the West, but just the real authentic, you know, the fried eggplant and the scrambled eggs and tomato and like, oh, Shao kao, Just so many of the tasty foods that, try as I might, I couldn't even find in Toronto in Canada. It's just so authentic Chinese so I was so excited to order Meituan. And of course, my hotel is one of the few, again, that they don't allow you to order Meituan. So I order room service every day, which is fine. It's a good mix of Western and Chinese room service, um, but still a little bit gutted that I can't order Meituan. But all in all, I guess it's only 14 days and then I can order all the Meizuan that I want and all the delicious Chinese food that I want. So as I'm recording this podcast, I'm sitting in my beautiful suite in the Marriott Courtyard. I'm on day six of my quarantine in Xiamen. And so the procedures here... Um, honestly, it's, it's a pretty great setup. I really can't complain. China has everything extremely organized and down to a T when it comes to um, the quarantine process and entering China. So, I get my temperature checked twice a day, usually around 10 and 4. They come just to the door, check my temperature, I report that to my school, no big problem. On day two, I had a blood test, I guess, for antibodies. Tomorrow, on day seven, they'll come and I'll get another COVID test. And then, right before I leave, I get another COVID test and another blood test. And if everything is good, that I'm able to go. I cannot stay in this province. If I wanted to stay in this province, I'd have to go home and do another seven-day quarantine. So that would be a total of 21 days. Um, But thankfully, I don't live in this province, so I'll be going back to Shenzhen via train. There's a high-speed train. It takes about four and a half hours, so it's really not too bad. Um, But all in all, it was quite a smooth journey, a lot better than I think I was expecting in my head, to be honest. Um, the flights were easy. I slept for most of them. Getting through and the process, the airport process was super, super fast. And I'm so grateful it did not take me hours on end. Um, I would definitely recommend flying into a smaller airport like Xiamen, Um maybe even at an obscure time like me at 5 a.m. Um, I think both of those factors probably really helped, um but I was initially supposed to fly into Guangdong, and I knew that would be you know minimum five hour airport wait for all the tests and immigration and other flights coming in, so it really worked out for me coming here. so I will be in this hotel for the next i don't know I'm horrible at math i'm on day six of fourteen, so for the next just over a week, um eight days and then I will be free, able to go into the wild of China. So I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast number one, and I hope that you either have a safe journey back to China if you are planning on coming to China, or that maybe you learned something interesting about the process of getting back to China. One thing I did forget to mention actually was that I guess from the COVID test we had in the airport, I found out on day two of quarantine that there were three people on my flight who had COVID. And I don't know how that would happen because we, I mean, I do know how it would happen, but I just didn't think that I guess really anyone would have it because we had all had to have those 72-hour COVID tests prior to the flight. I mean, I guess there is still a lot of leeway to get COVID if you're out and about, but that definitely scared me a little bit when the hotel reception told me that, but I feel totally fine and I know that transmission on planes is super low, so really it's not something that I'm worried about, although it initially was a little bit scary. So yeah, that's my story. That's my journey back to China. I... And there's my room service for lunch. So I will be recording some more podcasts, of course, as I get free, get out of quarantine, and um, I get back into Chinese lifestyle. I no longer have an apartment here, as I gave that up when I didn't think I'd be coming back to China, to be honest, when I was in Canada. So I'll be on the hunt for an apartment, which I'm expecting to take me about a day. It's a super fast process, but I'll just be recording um, different things about my life in China and day-to-day life and work and travel. And of course, other things I'm interested, like finance and my business in Canada that I started and how that's going to work with me being in China and some other ventures that I'm working on now. So Definitely um, subscribe and interact with me on Instagram, Neeks, YouTube, Nomadneeks. Um, my website is nomadneeks.com. I've got some really awesome resources on there, especially if you're Canadian, um, for banking and credit card and really just kind of everything that I use because I've definitely done my research over the years um, and figured out, at least for me, what my best options are. Um, some travel gear that I like. And then, of course, I've got my blog posts about different things. Um, I recently wrote one, of course, about this journey back to China. I definitely say this podcast is a bit more in-depth, but I've got one on there. And I've got some other interesting blog posts about my travels and even just conversations with friends like third culture kids um, and different things like that that maybe you don't really see in everyday life if you're living in your home country. Um, or maybe you've never heard of. So I'd be happy to kind of open your eyes and bring you into this new, interesting world. So thank you for listening and please subscribe and follow along and totally reach out to me on Instagram at NoBadNiques if you have something that you want to hear, something that you want me to talk about. Um, I'm totally open to anything and uh, have a great day, morning, evening, wherever you are in the world.